0: But I keep coming to the same conclusion. We are here for this movement. We are here to build a parallel economy that will eventually take over the old fiat system. I'm not a dev. I don't have a large audience. I don't have meetings with Jeff Bezos or presidents like Jack Ballers. No, that is not a typo. One day, I came to this realization. I'm not the only one struggling transporting people into the new world. .01%. We are all struggling to unplug people from the matrix. Hence, my motivation behind an orange pill for Bitcoiners. This is my first and probably will be the last article I ever write. But I had this aha moment a few months back. I was at the gym. The best in Bitcoin made audible. I am Guy Swan, and this is is bitcoin audible what is up guys welcome back to the show this is bitcoin audible and i am guy swan the guy who has read more about bitcoin than anybody else you know. And we are 698 reads. What have I got? 14 or 15 audiobooks and all just so many. We are deep into that proof of work now, man. I'm just realizing how many freaking episodes I have at this point. But anyway, we've got a really fun one today. A really awesome read, actually, that someone just kind of Put in front of me, I had stumbled upon it on Telegram in just one of the rooms. Or wait, no, it was a Keat room. Anyway, I stumbled upon it and I started digging through it and I was engaged very, very quickly. I was interested and I was I was committed like 20% of the way through it. I was like, oh, I'm taking this to the end. And so I just went ahead and started recording it. But what's funny is that the lesson the article was trying to teach was basically how the article was written. And Austin does a really good job here. It's really simple, but I think it's a really important framing and something that we have to recognize. It reminds me of something. The article is reminding me of a perspective, something that I have always thought was really important, and I've kind of let myself forget or get distracted away from, I guess. Um, uh, Austin Herbert is the uh, author of the article, and he works with the Mark Moss show, Um, but I will say that he incepted me with an idea that I have let myself put off for a long time. So hats off to Austin, and I will get into what I am referring to in the guy's take. But this one is about orange-pilling Bitcoiners. And what exactly do they need to be orange-pilled on? Well, you'll have to find out. Let's take a quick break for our sponsors, and we will jump in today's read. First, what if you could just earn sats by doing the same things you always do? What if your debit card just paid you a small percent of everything that you buy all of your bills in sats? That is the fold card and that is just one of the many ways that they have to stack sats and it is such a low friction way to stack. I have 0.18 bitcoin saved just from using my Fold debit card. That's over 18 million sats and if you want 20,000 sats that's like five bucks for free just go through my link. Check it out. Get on the app, do your daily spin, get free sats. guyswan.com slash fold. And then you're going to want to keep those sats safe. You want to withdraw them to your cold card. And also you want to use NFC because that's just slick. You know, using a hardware wallet with your mobile and you just like tap the wallet to your phone to sign a transaction. That is just cool. You can do it with the tap signer or the cold card Mark 4. Both are amazing Bitcoin security products from CoinKite and you get 9% off with code Bitcoin Audible. 9% is no joke, so don't forget it when you get your cold card. And lastly, speaking of onboarding Bitcoiners, there's no better place to go or send people than Swan Bitcoin. They are the best full-service Bitcoin station in the space. All signal, easy purchase, transparent low fees, automatic savings plan, automatic withdrawal, and even a concierge service in Swan private if you've got if you're just getting started, you want the the full hands-on approach, and you want your business plugged in, your retirement account, all of that stuff. Swan has all of it. Just just start by simply downloading the Swan Bitcoin app. Just search it in the app store. It's great just to have resource uh, for this resources and analysis, even if you're not on Swan yet. Um, I have the link in the show notes, so check them all out. And a huge thank you to all of them for making this show possible. With that. Let's get into today's read. And it's titled, An Orange Pill for Bitcoiners With Bitcoin still so early on its adoption curve, it seems that convicted Bitcoiners need an orange pill of their own. By Austin Herbert How do I know that Bitcoiners suck at orange pilling? Well, we are at 0.01% penetration. That's just one out of 10,000 people who have been convinced to become Bitcoiners. I'll pump those numbers up. Those are rookie numbers in this racket. The specific number is arbitrary. It could be 0.01% or it could be a whopping 0.05% adoption rate. The point is we are ridiculously early. Here's a summary of what the 0.01% adoption rate means. Creases puts us at 250,000 Bitcoin maximalists out there defined by holding 50% of net worth in Bitcoin. This is measured out of 2.2 billion total people. Why? Because he only accounts for people with $10,000 plus net worths. We are talking about storing our wealth in Bitcoin, not measuring the medium of exchange network. 250,000 divided by 2.2 billion equals 0.01%. Everyone gets the price they deserve, right? As Bitcoiners, we believe the old system is fundamentally broken. We have an opportunity to build a new system, a fair system, a system that will remain long after we are gone. But in order for our new system to work, we need to fund that system. We need to defund fiat. How do we do that? We give people the opportunity to vote with their money, to opt out but they won't vote with Bitcoin until they understand Bitcoin. This is my story, and this is how I believe we get the masses onto Bitcoin. Origin Story It's been so long that I can't even remember how I viewed the world before I was a Bitcoiner, which is a problem. It makes it extremely hard to see the world through a non-Bitcoiner's perspective. To me and you, everything can be related back to Bitcoin, It's obvious, and I mean everything. Just ask my ex-girlfriend. Climate crisis? Bitcoin fixes that. Inflation crisis? Bitcoin fixes that. Food crisis? Bitcoin fixes that. Authoritarian crisis? Bitcoin fixes that. Shitcoin crisis? Bitcoin fixes that. Honestly, when I reflect back on it, I can't exactly put my finger on the moment I reached escape velocity. It feels like I've always thought this way. So if I can't crawl back out of the rabbit hole... Where do I go next? I try to tell as many people about my epiphany as possible. I truly believe that Bitcoin can fix everything, and I want the people closest to me to see what I see. I don't want to be the only one sailing into this blue ocean of opportunity after this system collapses. But this is what happened. Force Pilling I started with those people I cared about the most. My mother, my sister, my best friends, etc. And to a certain extent, this worked. This is what I call a forced pill. They listened to me make my pitch on Bitcoin and then they invested. It was in hindsight that I realized they invested money because they trusted me to make them money. Some of these forced pills actually converted people around me to reach escape velocity and become part of the 0.01%. But this was definitely an anomaly. Why? because they don't care about the movement. They treat Bitcoin just like anything else in their portfolios. This is why shitcoiners can get so many people into their tokens. They force pill them. Some really good scumbag marketer gains said person's trust and then they sell them an opportunity switch. In layman's terms, an opportunity switch is old doesn't work, my new way does. To that said person, it sounds like an opportunity to make a lot of money. Bitcoin's pitch doesn't revolve around money. Well, Plan B's stock-to-flow model did, but that actually worked, which is my point. Just because my advice came from a place of morality and righteousness, that didn't change the underlying dynamics. The only difference between me and that scumbag marketer is that he had to gain that person's trust before he could sell them the opportunity switch. Same, same, but different. If you're going to keep force-pilling people, use the concept that fiat doesn't work, but that Bitcoin will, and keep it that simple. But that is not what this article is about. I wanted to get people into the 0.01%, to see what I see, to be a part of this new system. The sad part is, those forced-pilling experiences were the good ones. Now let's talk about some experiences as I moved out the trust spectrum. I'm defining the trust spectrum as from spouse or parent to complete stranger. Moving across the trust spectrum. Bitcoin is such a complex topic. It was tough to even begin the orange-pilling process. Maybe I started with logic. It's a decentralized peer-to-peer network that no one can stop. Be honest, has that ever worked? I lost them at the third word, decentralized. What about something more vague and meme-like? For example, rules, not rulers. Closer, they paused because it's catchy. We have a ton of catchy hooks in Bitcoin, but we are still at 0.01% adoption. For instance, the catchphrase above, fix the money, fix the world, recently caught my eye when Mark Moss and I were recording with Uncle Marty at his studio in Austin, Texas. All right, so what if we put them both together? Logical and catchy, you might think. That'll work. Let's try it. It's digital gold. It's faster, more scarce, instantly portable, and more divisible. It solves every failure point that gold has. And it's one-tenth of the price. Actually, at the time of this writing, Bitcoin represents 3.5% of gold's market cap, according to Clark Moody. It doesn't matter. Even that didn't work. They did not join the 0.01% club just because I told them that. But why not? It was extremely frustrating. No matter what I said, no matter how much sense I made, no matter how much supporting evidence I gave, it didn't affect any change in behavior for the people around me, even in a world that is screaming my case at them. They would listen to me talk about Bitcoin, Occasionally, Bitcoin would be in the mainstream news and they'd ask me about it. Some even ventured out and listened to a few recommended podcast episodes. But none of them could explain the Lightning Network or how to run a node or even describe what a node is. Self-custody? Owning a hardware wallet? Hell, they didn't even know that El Salvador made Bitcoin legal tender. I got to the point where I didn't want to talk to people about Bitcoin. I didn't see the point anymore. Here for the movement. But I keep coming to the same conclusion. We are here for this movement. We are here to build a parallel economy that will eventually take over the old fiat system. I'm not a dev. I don't have a large audience. I don't have meetings with Jeff Bezos or presidents like Jack Ballers. No, that is not a typo. One day, I came to this realization. I'm not the only one struggling transporting people into the new world. 0.01%. <clears throat> we are all struggling to unplug people from the matrix. Hence, my motivation behind an orange pill for Bitcoiners. This is my first and probably will be the last article I ever write. But I had this aha moment a few months back. I was at the gym. By the way, here's a picture of the water bottle I bring to the gym. Naturally, I have random people come up to me and ask about Bitcoin. Insert image of a water bottle covered in Bitcoin stickers. Most conversations there are just some flavor of the examples above. But recently, I met a Bitcoiner. A real Bitcoiner. An escape velocity type. He reminded me a lot of the character from The Big Lebowski, The Dude. We were talking and talking and he's telling me about all his friends who are pensioners and successful finance guys, yada yada, but none of them would listen to him either. I remember the conversation was for a full hour. The reason that I remember that was because the treadmills at my gym have a cool-down phase after 60 minutes. As we were talking, it obviously tripped me up when the tread stopped treading in the middle of the multi-sig setup chat. I kid you not, this is word for word what he said at the end of our conversation. You know what, man? Sighs and looks up. Man, you're exactly right. I never thought about it like that before. Note. He's retired and has a boat in St. Pete, purchased with Bitcoin gains. A few weeks later, he came up to me and said, I was thinking about what you said to me, Austin, and I realized why I was able to get Bitcoin so quickly. His escape velocity moment was back in 2015, to put it into context. For the dude at the gym, it came down to this. It doesn't matter if you have the perfect solution to every problem on the planet— if that person you are trying to sell the solution to doesn't know there is a problem to be solved. Now, I wish it was that easy. If it were, we wouldn't be at 0.01%. Remember, the dude at the gym was already orange-pilled. He just didn't know why he could accept Bitcoin right away. Hang with me to the end. I'm going to attempt to show you why you can't simply tell a no-coiner the problem. Think about the digital gold argument. Gold is flawed, we know this. We know why it is flawed, we know the problem. But does that make a difference? The market says that doesn't matter. Bitcoin is a massively better product, yet it remains at 3.5% of the valuation of gold. This is why even the most eloquent, rational argument still does not move the needle. Inception If explaining the problem isn't the answer, and explaining the solution isn't the answer, then what is the answer? Inception. Just like in the movie, you have to plant an idea in their head. You have to make them think they came up with the idea on their own. From the very beginning of this article, I could have just said, stop screaming the solution to people who don't know there is a problem. I could have tweeted that out. Honestly, I might have put a similar thought out before. But would it have mattered? No. Most likely it would have gotten, at best, 20 likes. Who would have liked it? Why would they have liked it? They liked it because they were already orange-pilled and they could relate to the tweet. Would a no-coiner like that tweet? No. Of those who liked the tweet, do you think that any of them would have changed their approach because of my tweet? No. If Michael Saylor himself tweeted that out and got 20,000 likes, would it have solved anything? No. How do you solve this with inception? You make them experience it. They came to the conclusion, not you. It was their idea. They found the problem. Then and only then will they start their journey to escape velocity. In one sentence, make the horse thirsty before you lead him to the water. That's the punchline. Now compare that to the idea that you can lead the horse to water but you can't make him drink. I'm arguing that you can. You just have to incept him before he sees the solution. This wasn't an inception for the masses. It was for the already orange-pilled. I'm defining, quote, orange pill as an expansion of awareness. Let me explain. I didn't start off this article by saying Bitcoiners need to X instead of Y. I told you what I have experienced, my problem, my problem, Knowing that, most likely, you have had very similar experiences. My story triggered your thoughts on your past attempts. No-coiners hear the problem, they understand the problem. It's just not their problem. The goal was to plant the seeds that caused a reaction. What seed did I plant? First seed, the title. How to Orange Pill an Orange Pillar. Why did you click on the article? Because for some reason you were curious about orange pilling. Why were you curious about orange-pilling? Because you already knew of the problem, but it wasn't your problem. This is essential. Second seed, the story. I told you my experiences so that you would think about your similar experiences, and therefore the problem came from your perspective. I showed rather than told you. Third seed, the wolf of Wall Street scene. The scene broke down the barrier of internal disbelief. You can sell anything to anyone. But you just cherry pick that scenario. Fair enough, let's change it. Problem. Jordan Belfort challenged his friend Brad to, Sell me this pin. What if Brad responded, You will need this pin when the check comes. That should create urgency, no? Yeah, that would work, right? If that was your thought, then it means you still think logic and reason will convince someone to react. The problem is, he told Belfort what his problem will be. You can't tell someone they have a problem. They have to experience the problem. In this example, it's not Belfort's problem. He doesn't need to sign anything at that moment, so he actually doesn't have a problem. So he doesn't want the pin. Yes, logically, he'll need to sign the check. But remember all of the examples from above. Logic doesn't matter. Inception is the moment they start to believe they have a problem. That's when their journey to escape velocity begins. All right, wise guy, how do you sell the pen in the check scenario then? You have to wait until the waiter brings the check out. Then pull the pen out of your pocket. Now they have a problem. Now it is time to sell the solution. There was a catalyst. So there it is. Inception. Inception. That's how you orange pill a Bitcoiner. All right, that wraps up the article by Austin. Let's hit our sponsor really fast, and then I want to do a guy's take on this. What if you could get the security of cold storage while using a wallet on your phone, using a mobile wallet? You could separate your keys, and you did not have to worry about that device getting hacked. That is the magic of using a hardware wallet with your mobile phone and using NFC to just tap you—you you make the transaction in your wallet on your phone, and then you just tap your cold card to it in order to sign that transaction on the cold card, and then tap it again to send it back to the device, and then you can you can send it you can broadcast the transaction from your phone, and you can even do this with just the card, just the tap signer card. If you have not experienced this, I highly Highly recommend you check it out. There's some videos by BTC Sessions going into the cold card and the tap signer. And I hope to have some videos of my own very soon just to kind of show you the basic operations. Much, much less in depth, but just kind of like fun short things. So keep an eye out for those. And don't forget that on the cold card and everything else in your cart, you can get 9% off with code Bitcoin Audible. That is my discount code special to this show you let them know that i sent you and you you help support this show but you also more importantly get your bitcoin safe behind your keys and all you have to do is go to guyswan.com slash cold card it's right there in the show notes you just click on it so convenient it's got a hyperlink like the things on the internet it's right there check it out and then fold has dropped their plans for 2023 and they are finally doing something that i have wanted for so long so fold has the premium debit card you know them you love them they are the sats back on everything in your life and they have replaced my boring ass bank card with the fold card which i get sats back on all the things and for the premium card holders now you can't actually they're going to change it they're going to update the wheel and they're going to change the experience a little bit, but you will no longer be able to get less than 1%. You will always have 1%. Now, there's part of me that's actually a little bit sad about that because I kind of like the risk and it's like all free sats, you know? It's like, so if I get like half a percent back, I still just got a half a percent back. But anyway, I, commendable and I'm kind of excited at the same time. But The thing I'm really excited about is roundups. You're going to be able to round up the change on the things that you purchase and automatically buy small amounts of Bitcoin with it and they are going to fully integrate the Lightning Network so that when you do that, there will no longer be any waiting and when you have those Bitcoin, you can immediately send them out over the Lightning Network. Holy crap. Fold in 2023 is going to be freaking legit. You've got to check it out. And that's, just, that's just some of their plans. I didn't even drop all of it. Those are just the things I'm most excited about. There will be more in the next Fold Sponsor slot. So keep an ear out. Listen to them. And you can get 20,000 freaking sats for free just by going through my link and getting the app, which is just a place to get free sats. So you're going to get free sats to go to a place that will get you more free sats. And you don't even have to sign up. You'll get free sats. I promise you. Just check them out. guyswan.com slash Fold. I think we don't spend enough time talking about how to relate to Bitcoin because there's so much excitement in falling down the rabbit hole when you kind of have your Overton window demolished and suddenly you look at the world through the Bitcoin lens. There's so much to explore and you feel like you just you know you're like a kid in a candy store just like running around digging through all these topics that had no interest and no seeming relevance to your life that are suddenly crucial, that suddenly frame your entire worldview. And so we end up, because there's so much to explore on the other side, you know, after you get in the rabbit hole, that we don't do enough exploring um, on how to find the rabbit hole or how to motivate people to to realize that their Overton window doesn't actually frame the world as it is. It frames a fairy tale. In trying to get people to understand or to change their worldview, so many people basically identify who they are with their worldview. And it's even worse when it comes to people who are very, very political. Like, Like when you're specifically like a party is you become to identify who you are by how you see the world. I mean, identity politics is essentially that. That's why they are the hardest to convince, or it's most uncomfortable for someone in that perspective to change how they think about the world. When you think about the world or you frame your worldview with principles, you basically have something to fall back on to let yourself change the way you think about things. You can accept that you're wrong because... You knew that the way you were thinking about it, you're allowing yourself to to establish a principle on how you think about things rather than what you specifically think. And when you frame things from those first principles, you have a way to allow yourself to change without having an identity crisis to change what you think about something. But therein lies the ultimate problem is that most of what... The conclusions of Bitcoin are not the principles, not the places that they start from, because a lot of people hold very, very contradictory ideas. And, you know, that's not uncommon, particularly the things that we don't dive very deep into will often hold a very shallow concept of it that can be contradictory to itself. But more importantly, it's contradictory to some other idea that we hold. But then we work very hard to make sure that those things stay like separate categories so that you can kind of think about you know the world in your religion differently than you think about your scientific world or you know your job world or something like that it's not uncommon that where we have conflict we just build up walls rather than address and let these two different framings that we hold on to clash together and make a mess and figure out what's left over that's generally an incredibly uncomfortable thing to, to realize that in one area of life you, you think or apply completely different things to another area of your life. But it's very, very normal for people to do that. And that's why I think when you argue about Bitcoin from first principles of do you own yourself, do, you know, is freedom of speech or is censorship good, there's actually a lot of things that people hold, a lot of ideas that people think that they believe in. That their political views that once you two, three, four layers up, they say, no, something completely different. They say, no, it's perfectly fine. Like the government needs to stop disinformation. And it's like, well, what if the government is the source of the disinformation? And if they they don't even realize that holding the first belief means that they don't have the print they don't believe in free speech. Like that's not those things can't exist in the same world. But it's like they've adopted what they think of as a principle but they don't know how to apply the principle they don't know how to use that to judge how they think about something or to assess what the possible deduction is and why free speech matters because if you understood why free speech matters you would already have your argument you would be able to deduce very quickly why government having a ministry of truth is a freaking terrible idea because the whole concept is that nobody knows what the truth is And how? by what possible measure does having a popularity contest to put people in charge then let them determine why would they be, when they're your next door neighbor, you don't trust them to know the truth, but you have a popularity contest and you put them them in a suit and you shine some lights on them and put them on a stage and suddenly they're all powerful and all knowing? It is explicitly through the merit of market outcomes and us staking on our choices and actually having accountability for being wrong and a reward for being right in a natural environment in which we must cooperate with people that we can actually even begin to assess what is true and what is not. The dumb monkey brain opinion of normal everyday life, the shallow shit by which we have to manage by necessity because it's inevitable that we are vastly more ignorant about 99.9% 99.9% of anything we do. It's inevitable. There's no escaping it. It's the nature of reality. That vapid, shallow, political, I- I'm going to throw my opinion at you crap is not how you should run society. It is. There is no intelligence. There is no objectivity. It is nothing but social screaming at each other and backing it up with guns and enforcement and censorship. But this is all actually a lengthy uh, tangent to establish how we fail to think about things properly and very often and i'm not excluding myself from that either in fact i've gone through a very lengthy process of seeing just how stupid some of the things i believe for a lot of my life and i know i don't doubt that there remain many more stupid things that i believe than intelligent and thought out ones because i just don't have the time to to actually think out everything it's a very Long process. I mean, that's that's the process of life. There's no conclusion to that. New things arise and new situations are created far faster than we can work out the old ideas. And we have to trust each other. We have to lean on society to hope that judgments, correct judgments are being made. And that's one of the reasons why economic information, actual value and actual skin in the game with everyone's decisions a.k.a. sound money, is so unbelievably crucial to society. The very process of a society is in establishing systems that let us take advantage of things that no one can inherently know by themselves. But I, I digress. The whole point of this was really just to note why it's so hard for people to change the way they think. And... When something like Bitcoin comes along that requires you to change so much about how you think and just stomps all over a lot of people's worldviews view, world and um, a lot of the default ways that we think about and address problems, something that forces you to change your thinking is going to have an incredibly, incredibly large hurdle to overcome and it's far more likely that some that people put it in this nice little corner where this is just in my portfolio and sure free speech is good and censorship is bad and you should own yourself and own your money but then they keep it in that little category they, they put it in this little walled off area in their head where this is Bitcoin and this is Bitcoin world and this is different from the real world. And then they go out the in the real world, they say, yeah, we need a disinformation board and yeah, we need everybody has to wear masks. You know, it's very, very, very important, whatever. They, they basically parrot the same old beliefs. They don't take the principles that they just learned. They treat them as this special little area that just sits by itself. But Austin has a great article here because on this issue, he denotes something that I have said a lot and I kind of hold myself to, I feel a little bit guilty because I know I could be doing so much more on this front. We have the solution to this already. We do have a very bad orange pilling problem and we have a very big orange pilling challenge. Changing someone's worldview is very difficult. And getting them to understand Bitcoin without them having the proper worldview is even more difficult. But the answer is literally as old as history itself. Story. We do not learn through lists and tables and spreadsheets. Humans learn and internalize through story. And that is all humans. If you think you are exempt, then you are just ignorant of how you work. Everyone does. I do. You do. The Bitcoiners do. The the Maxis do. The crypto people do. That is how we relate to everything in the world. In fact, there is a very very great book, um, that's uh, entertaining and fun to think about. Like I mean, obviously, there's like Hero of a Thousand Ages. If you want to understand story structure and how we think of the human journey, how we frame it in our minds. But there's something far more fundamental. There's a book called uh, Wired for Story. Um, Not very long either, but it's basically a scientific breakdown of the kind of anthropology, um, brain chemistry, and then the physiological, uh, the psychological and um, philosophical reasons for story. Like how story is actually what separates us from other animals. The ability to elaborate or have very very complex stories because a story is just how we relate to things in the world and that's our problem right people don't know how they relate to Bitcoin when do they use it how do they use it even Dave Smith actually is a decent example is that he understands that um, you know the Federal Reserve is bad and all of these things but when uh, the last time I talked to him on the show he on a part of the problem which I highly recommend I love that podcast if you don't listen to it um but he he even directly asked me so what do i do like what do like i get i'm on board but what do i need to push to people like am i just getting people to buy it and hold it do they need to use it like you know what's the pitch for how people should bring about this world and i can see that there's still this degree of like i have to use the dollar in my day-to-day life how does bitcoin relate to me that's what that's a question that's that's what that is asking for is what's the story for what people need to do to bring about the world they hope to see. And the beauty of like a good movie or a good book or something is that you put yourself in the main character's position. You you are the main character while you experience a film or I mean, just any great story in any form. You actually identify with it. And it's why you can learn you know, fundamental lessons. And it's why religion has lasted for so long. You know, so many people think religion, or I mean, this is at least my view and no offense to anyone, but I, people think that like religious texts and stuff last because there's some explicit word for word recreation of something that happened exactly as it was told in the story. And that's not how story ever evolves in any of our daily life far more often the exaggerated tale of something that expresses something true about humanity is what lasts. And that's what I've always found in religious text in general, um, but uh, in the Bible is how amazing some of the stories are at teaching about human nature, about the contest between Cain and Abel and how to, You know, the uh, cloak of many, Jordan Peterson is great for this. He has so many amazing lectures on breaking down what the psychological lesson in these things are and why these stories last is because they tell us something that is so true about being human, about the consequences of jealousy, about standing up in whatever situation you find yourself in and making the best of it and how, how much people, other people gravitate to that, how much other people depend on it, and how standing up and speaking the truth one time can start a freaking fire under millions of people's asses and give them the courage to stand up and speak the truth themselves, because they were waiting for permission for someone else. And you see, you know, like the little YouTube video of uh, uh, how to start a movement. I'm sure you've seen the ridiculous dancing at the concert. That gets shared around so much. Why? Because it shows how people think. It can, the, the breakdown of what happens, of like what occurs as the movement is started, is so fascinating. And what's incredible is it literally starts from just one to two people. It's as soon as the second person is there, it's begun. We identify the world through story. What we need to be doing is telling amazing stories. Telling interesting stories, creative stories about how Bitcoin changes things. Those are our best pitches. And we have thousands, thousands of brilliant economic arguments and uh, free like Gladstein is actually a good one who can break down data and do incredible research research and tell a story about and I don't mean that in a fictional sense or like a novel sense, even though I do think that is a huge part of what we do need. Um, but Gladstein is always amazing in telling the human story. Like like one person's struggle. You, you notice he, every article that he does, he um, which we've done like, I don't know, 20 of his articles on the show. But um, he finds one person as the example of, you know, in Iraq or in uh, Nigeria, and walks through their life story and then he basically uses that as a framing to then show this is what happened in the economy this is the debt that the country took on these were the capital controls etc but then he relates it back to Roya Mabub and how she needed to try to escape the country how she was teaching other women how to um you know secure their bitcoin Uh, And even have accounts and stuff that allowed them to escape abusive relationships and get out from underneath the regime. And what Austin Herbert is talking about in this article, or what he expresses, and that's also interesting, right? That's another big thing, is that I started reading through, somebody linked to this one in Telegram. And I had like a bunch of other reads that I've got lined up and some fascinating stuff that I've gone through. It was just an entertaining read like I didn't even finish it before I was like, yeah, I'm going to do this one. Um, I was like, I don't know, like a quarter of the way through it or something. And I was just engaged and I was like, all right, this is easy. And I just started recording. Like when it comes to that point, if I'm enjoying myself reading it that much to to the fact that like even when I just started a paragraph and I just kind of got stuck, it was just randomly in the middle of the day. Well, then, yeah, i just finish it to the end. Even if I don't agree with a lot of it, I'll just argue with it. But what did he do? And he explicitly says it. What did he do? He told his story of becoming a Bitcoiner, of struggling to orange pill other Bitcoiners. You can identify immediately. You see where you were standing in those shoes. You look at the people that you have orange-pilled, quote-unquote, and you realize they are force-pilled. They're not the Bitcoiners that you meet at uh, you know the conference or at the Pacific Bitcoin Conference or Bitblock Boom, those are real Bitcoiners, right? And they, they have a completely different worldview. And you hate that you have to go home and <laughs> hang out with normie friends, which you love them and they're still your friends, but you can't believe that they just don't all want to talk about Bitcoin all the time. And that even goes for a lot of the people that I have orange-pilled. Um, like, there are definitely plenty of people in my life or everybody in my close circles really um, has gotten on board with Bitcoin. But there's only only my immediate family. I can go home and just talk about Bitcoin and, and the world and the changing dynamics and philosophy and all of this stuff. And then we could just carry on a conversation at length. There are numerous people that are into Bitcoin. And like Austin said, they basically just trust me. They basically just know, okay, this is a really big deal and I can see how this relates so I'm just going to like have some bitcoin and whenever I need to do anything with it I'm just going to ask guy but then that's basically it they're just their hands off they don't really think about it or talk about it a lot it's just normal life and they don't see like that that struggle again Austin does a great job laying this out and this is like an important part of any story is is a conflict an internal conflict is and Austin says it uh, one of the lines in this article, I wish they could see what I see. They don't see what I see. How do you get them to see it? And Alston's right. It is inception. And essentially that's what a story does. You know, when, when you watch a good movie, you're not analyzing what the movie is teaching you. You don't, you don't, you know, you're not breaking down the architecture of the story and everything, but you can identify a good story. Anybody is a good critic. Right they could just i did I enjoy that? yes or no. No one needs to analyze whether or not they enjoyed something, but how unbelievably few can tell you why a movie is bad when they dislike it. They usually point out something like shallow, you know, like the c g wasn't very good, or this one actress wasn't super good, but it's like, well, if there's bad writing, no even a great actress is probably going to you're not going to identify with the character because there's no character struggle but the actress didn't do that, the writer did that and very very often if there's a great story you can have bad CG and get away with it but back to the point of Inception that's why i I think the best that you can do with short interactions where interest is very limited is ask intriguing questions and leave them wanting more Learn to cut it off. I'm sure many of you have to. But the second you see them glazing over, you you get the indication that that's ha- what's happening. Walk away from it. If I'm berating them to be far less successful at getting them to change how they think, you might force pill somebody that way. Um, And I also, by the way, tend to be pretty aggressive when I talk about ideas. Obviously, you've listened to the show, most likely. But if I'm talking with someone that I know is likely to disagree with me or hold a different view, um, I try really hard to tone it down a lot. <laughs> but when when breaking it down, though, when, when trying to walk through the idea, um, with someone that I think is very reluctant or having a hard time having any frame of what Bitcoin is, is usually I try to acknowledge how they see it and realize that from their perspective, it makes perfect sense. They just have a totally different perspective. They're standing in a different place. And so a good way to to introduce a topic like that, I feel is to tell them what they think about it. Like, like tell them their version of it. Like, Oh, you think Bitcoin is just a toy. Bitcoin and crypto are the same thing. And it's a Ponzi scheme. Yeah. That makes perfect sense. I mean, granted you kind of need to know their perspective, but Usually, it's just a very shallow, oh, it's a token thing that I can have on the internet and it's kind of neat. Also, druggies use it or something. But if you know, if you understand how money works, it's you can generally lead people with questions. You can You can walk them through the entire thought process to find out or to realize why something that they kind of took for granted is wrong. And if you let them do it, if you just keep asking them questions and putting in a scenario in which... How could it be if this or? But why would this, et cetera, et cetera, just kind of guide them one way or the other? Like kind of pointing out contradictions, contradictions, and try to get them to answer. You can often put a, you know, fracture, a small crack in the way they think about money, currently. Um, and uh, depending on where their view is, also, this is this is where the if they look bored at all. You are never, ever, ever going to create a good association with something if they're bored and you're talking, you're just blasting shit at them. Ask interesting questions and be engaged yourself. And the second they cease to be entertained or engaged uh, themselves, leave it off. Make a, you know, self-deprecating comment or something and just move the conversation somewhere else. Never expect To make anything more than a tiny step forward in progress, you're not going to be able to give anyone, unless they're already 80%, 90% of the way there, only expect or hope for baby steps in the right direction. Remember, this is the long game. If we have a low time preference, we will win. This thing is to teach low time preference. The people who succeed, the people who are evil, who succeed, have low time preference. They treat it like a long game. We need to have a longer game perspective on fixing the problem. We need to be ready for the long haul. We need to know that even if everyone in our circles does not yet understand it, that the next generation will. That maybe in 20 years, it will click for them if you keep asking the right questions and you leave just enough interest that every single time the price does something interesting again, They come to you and they ask, or the conversation pops back up again. Because price does matter. People pay attention to it. But the people who get in because of it, they get force-pilled, and they're just there to make a little bit of money, don't stick around, and they're very shallow, quote-unquote, support. Right? They're not Bitcoin maximalists. They're not Bitcoiners. They don't see what we see. Those are the people who got in because of Plan B, stock to flow, and he makes a great point. Also, makes an excellent point is that the stock to flow is a way to force pill someone because they're going to be here as long as the price is going up, and then they're going to be super pissed when the price plummets and doesn't go to 100k. Even though that's what the stock to flow chart—it's right there on the chart. They drew it out. This is what was supposed to happen in 2023. Those people aren't Bitcoiners, but that's the thing. But Austin points out that's what worked. There were millions of people on you know plan b's twitter and but like totally getting into the stock to blow. and it was fun we covered it on this show i mean we also covered a couple of rebuttals as well you know to be fair but it was something that was very relatable and had a very common goal everybody just wants to make money right but it's not being a bitcoiner it's very shallow the process of becoming a bitcoiner is incredibly long it's literally the process of being reeducated on a whole bunch of things that you thought you knew it's unschooling in a lot of ways you have to you have to throw away a bunch of crap that you were taught in a textbook and the rest that you were taught by a politician on the news repeated every day day in and day out and that you never even suggested you never even thought oh well how do we just go back to first principles and find out if this is true you just believe that it's true. And you'd be surprised how many, there, there are things just all the time that we do that on. We don't have the time to go through every single idea. So most of the ideas that we hold, we haven't verified for ourselves. You haven't verified Sine, cosine, and tangent, even though I use it when I'm, you know, measuring stuff out and, you know, building something, I haven't re-deduced those relationships, I just use the tool. Um, I mean, that's a very explicit math example, but we do that all the time in our daily lives. But if the process is that huge, you can't possibly expect someone to get it in an afternoon, unless they've already made most of the journey. And it's why you should think about this as baby steps. And you have to understand how to relate it to other people. Like what's their situation and what are their challenges and how do they think about their relationship with someone and how does it change when you introduce Bitcoin or when you explain the real nature of money. That again, leads us back around to story. And this is one of the things that I feel like, like I have a fun story. I think. Um, and I've told it to a couple of different people and they tell me that I need to finish it, like write it out. Um, well, I've got the structure and everything. I literally just haven't written it and I want to turn it into a project, but it's one of those areas where I feel like this has always kind of been my special specialty. Like this is what like. I was 14, maybe 13 or something when I just decided that I was going to make movies and i I've seriously romanticized stories and all of this stuff. And it's only, it was much later in life, you know, after college that I really became more fascinated with the structure and the understanding behind it. Um, But story was always something that I did analyze. Like I would, one of my favorite things to do still to this day is to watch bad movies Because you begin to understand they're far more informative about what makes a good story because you can easy, it's easier to identify what is wrong with a bad movie and think about how to fix it. It's like, why did I not even care that there's another scene with this character? How could I, how could I possibly, we're like 10 minutes into this movie and already I could not care less about whether the main character gets his head blown off in the next scene. Like, how could I be that disconnected from them so quickly? But anyway, so that was just something that I have always loved and it has always fascinated me and it's something that I think I'm good at. I It is a specialty of mine and it is something that I am not contributing properly outside of the fact that I, I explain analogies on the show and I do lots of reading. It's really fun, but I also really love to get into the technical stuff and that's usually less effective at orange pilling. As much as we have great art in Bitcoin, we still don't have we're still there's this whole area that we are missing. And it's story. We need a thousand heroes journeys that teach us some principle of Bitcoin. And this is also really important about fiction telling um or about storytelling, is to compl- to strictly limit what you're trying to teach. Like don't It's far less effective if you're trying to make a story to explain some technical thing. Um, like like you know, you don't need Bitcoin doesn't need to be the main character. You don't need to like explain what mining is and all of this stuff. I think it makes more sense to take one element of Bitcoin or one element of what Bitcoin provides and or a principle that it imbues and teach a story around that. Around a hero who is learning that principle, who does something wrong, who believes the wrong thing and does something wrong, harms someone in some way and basically learns and comes to understand to embrace that principle and how it makes them strong and overcome that, you know, whatever that conflict was, whatever that journey was. We need more of that. We need we need that period. We don't really have any of it. We do have some fascinating things like Satoshi's tale and Hal Finney. We have real people who have fascinating stories in Bitcoin and we really should leverage that. But all of the different principles, the energy, like so many different things around how Bitcoin can help things. They need a story that people can relate to. And then, of course, when a situation arises in which their story, when the check comes and they need the pin that is when you sell them on it that's why the trucker convoy the these situations that arise in the real world that are increasingly more common that is when you have them realizing the power of it that is when there is so little to teach them because they've taught them the, the world has taught them why they need exactly this characteristic And now suddenly, they, even if it's just one tiny piece of it, they have a small new lens for which to look through the world. They've seen a problem and you were there to show them the solution. And I'm going to have to close this guy's takeout, but I want to end this with an appeal. I want to appeal to you guys. If you have a story, if you, there are, I know there are some of you out there who think up fun stories who want to write them, and who sit them in their, you know, box of I'll do it later sort of things. And I know that because I'm describing myself. I have an incredibly long list of things in that box. And there's one in particular that I think is wouldn't even be that hard to finish. It's going to be the next project that I, when I get done with a couple of these audiobooks and have, I can sit down and just work on a side project is something I want to commit to. And Austin, I appreciate you writing this because it's just refreshed in in my mind how important I know this is. And it's easy to procrastinate or push it off when I think it doesn't really matter. or it's just like, I don't even know if anybody's going to like it. You know, I could spend a ton of work on it and everybody thinks my story is stupid or they don't identify with it. And, you know, only in hindsight, I'm like, oh yeah, this was a terrible character decision, blah, blah, blah. You know, the, the normal risk of... Uh, telling a story but honestly i think i have a pretty good damn chance at it at doing it well and i should do it but in that same vein i want to i want to get your stories if you have one write it down summarize it try to put try to breathe a little bit of life into it and i have a production company that is what we have started here that owns bitcoin audible and I want to do those sorts of projects. Like, I don't really know timelines on sorts of things like that, but if somebody drops a really great story in my lap, something that I just fall in love with, that can motivate me to change my direction or change my immediate plans. So if you think you have something there, I'm going to encourage you to try to bring it to life. And I'm not going to do that in a super hypocritical way and not to do that with my own stories. I'm going to use this as a motivation to make sure that that's what I'm writing first before I'm working on a couple of projects that I, I have lined up. I'm going to make that story happen and I think I can do it pretty quickly because I've been thinking about it for a really long time. So you guys hold me to it. I don't want this to get pushed into the back of the closet again And sit for another two years. Because we've got a freaking job to do. If we want to fix these problems, if we want to have sound money, we do have to orange pill people. There is a bulk of the world will be followers. That is fine. But we need to find the remnant and we need to convince the remnant. I highly encourage you to listen to Isaiah's job if you haven't. But in that task, I think story is our strongest weapon. And I think history can show us exactly how powerful that is. And for everybody who thinks they don't have a story to tell, remember that everybody can tell their story. And that's what Austin did in this article. Is he told his struggles of orange-pilling people. He explained his conflict, the goal that he was trying to accomplish, and even concludes it when he discovers the answer. He concludes it back, even wraps it back around to the Wolf of Wall Street, which is how the article started. And that's something that even if it's not done explicitly, it's typically the goal of a story. It's for the main character to find their way back to where they started, but be a completely different person when they get there. And there's actually a absolute... One of my favorite quotes um, on that, but I'm going to save that for the credits. So I guess I'll just close this out in saying everyone has a story to tell and we need to tell stories. And when the catalyst comes that opens up the window for someone you know or someone who needs Bitcoin to realize they have a problem, that's when you need to be there ready to give them the solution, ready to help them out of that situation. I think that is our job. That is our responsibility for seeing this, where so many people can't see it. I mean, think about how nuts it is to see the ongoing and potential shift in the entire hierarchy of power of the political systems in the world and the the death of what we think of as or what most people think of as currencies and monetary goods that are permanent. That just this is just how the world works. And to actually understand the dynamics that's forcing these things to change and watching them change when most people have their eyes closed. Like most people don't realize, but the petrodollar system is basically dead. We are essentially just waiting for the fallout. But the the ubiquitous hold that the dollar had for exchanging oil. So many countries now, um, major countries, India, China, Russia, Saudi Arabia, many places in the Middle East have started exchanging in rupees, in yuan, in rubles. The chokehold that the dollar had on the oil industry, the petrodollar system, as it was designed and begun in 1974, whatever it was, is dead. I think we will look back on it and see that it died somewhere around like March of 2020. But there is still so much dollar-denominated debt that is going to take a long time to unravel because that debt is demand—it's future demand for dollars. But this is just to say that the way, the way Bitcoin informs how the world works makes so many things make sense. And you can see the writing on the wall. You can see, the for- it, it forces you to take a huge step back and see the fourth turning happening, to see the cultural shifts for what they are as consequences rather than causes. Money is what moves the world. How we relate to money is how we relate to everyone else, what everyone else is doing. The tasks of valuing and producing economic prosperity to understand the story of money is to understand the story of the world, how the world works. And it is our obligation, it is our responsibility who see it or are, are beginning to see corners of it and beginning to map this thing out. That we can, we can have a map of the world that shows us a little bit more clarity than the average person has on their map and it is important for us to point the things those things out and to try to tell that story so they can have that clarity too, to get them to see what we see. And a lot of times that's just telling our story about how and why we saw it. And a lot of times it's us leaning on a catalyst for them to realize in their lives and upon their problems what solution there is to apply. So that'll do it. um I'm not going to ramble anymore. <laughs> I, uh, uh, I am going to have... I think tomorrow I'm doing basics, number two. And we are going to be doing hashes and proof of work. Um, and I got a couple of great comments and inputs from people on Telegram. Um, and actually Fountain and Twitter, now that I mention it. Or think about it. Um, of people giving suggestions and feedback, and I super, super appreciate it. They've already actually been helpful in me mapping out where I'm going with basic, the basics stuff. So if you want to particularly learn something because I've gotten, you know, only like four or five people responding and actually uh, providing input, understand that if you really want to learn one particular thing or you have one particular question, uh, there's a very small subset, so there's a very high probability that you could actually direct how I think about doing an episode or what needs to be talked about in the basics. So don't forget that. This could be an opportunity for me to elaborate in an episode on exactly what you are trying, what you're having to deal with. And that is literally the point of the basics series. So um, uh, feel free to reach out. Uh, thank you guys so much. Thank you everyone who has been supporting and boosting on Fountain. And obviously a huge thank you to our sponsors as well. To CoinKite, the makers of the cold card, of the block clock, of the open dime, of the tap signers, of the sats cards, all sorts of amazing Bitcoin hardware and security devices. To Swan Bitcoin, the the onboarding service. And they're a great example of being able to send some send people somewhere that they're not going to get the fluff, the for- force pilling, they're going to have nothing but signal. And then, of course, the fold card. The sats back debit card. Get sats back on everything in your freaking life. It is a wonderful way to stack passively just by doing the stuff that you always do. So do not forget to check them out. Discounts, special links, goodies in the show notes right there in the description below this episode. I will close this one out with a quote, one of my favorite quotes. And... Uh, I will just ask you to stay subscribed and I'll catch you on the next episode of Bitcoin Audible. Until then, everybody, take it easy, guys. We shall not cease from exploration. And the end of all our exploring will be to arrive where we started and know the place for the first time. T.S. Elliott. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.